Hello and good afternoon. Pastor Jacob May here from Christ Lutheran Church in Gordonville, Missouri. I hope you're having a great day. I hope you are enjoying your journey, our journey through the story. Uh, It's been a good journey thus far as we are in chapter 3 to see what God has to say to us through his word. Of course, chapter 3, we are still in Genesis, uh, but the main focus is going to be on Joseph and what God is doing through Joseph in such strange circumstances. Now, Joseph is probably uh, an an individual that most of you are familiar with. It's a common story, but we definitely don't want to skip it, right? Just because it's a common story doesn't mean we won't learn something from it, and perhaps we'll learn something new. You know, that's what I found interesting about stories, especially if you hear them over and over again, or maybe like a movie, watching a movie over and over again, you tend to notice characters that maybe you didn't notice the first couple of times watching the movie or reading the story. Characters that jump out at you and you kind of wish that you could follow that character through their story, but obviously you can't because the focus is on a different character. And we're going to find one such character in the story today. And maybe it wasn't one that jumped out for you, but it was that jumped out for me. Uh, But I'm going to go ahead and actually read a little bit here of Genesis 42, just because I know that while some of you tend to listen to this while you're driving, so you can't just pull out your Bible and read it. So I'm going to go ahead and read just a section of it to you. And there's a few other uh, sections along the way that I might touch on, and I'll let you know when that happens. But I'm actually going to start in the middle of the story, chapter 42. So this is after Joseph has been sold off into slavery. This is after he had been falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, after he's been put in prison. This is after he's been raised to power. So Joseph is in a really good spot in the midst of the famine. If you remember the dreams that Joseph had, or not Joseph, uh, the dreams that Pharaoh had, and he didn't know what they meant. So uh, somebody told him that Joseph is able to interpret dreams. So they called Joseph and was very excited that he could interpret these dreams, and he did. Uh, Egypt was going to be blessed with seven years of, of fruitfulness, but then afterwards there was going to be a famine in all the land, not just Egypt. And so people were going to be coming to Egypt uh, to buy food. So this was going to make for some prosperous times for Egypt as they had some good uh, trade leverage. And it's at this point then with Joseph pretty much in charge of everything. The only one that's above him is Pharaoh. So this foreigner is in charge of everything. What a great place God has put him in. Uh, So at this point, Joseph's brothers come to Egypt because they're looking for food too. Uh, They don't realize that this is Joseph that they're speaking to. His appearance is much different. He doesn't look the same. And um, Joseph is going to accuse them of being spies. However, he's going to send them back with with food. And um, well, let's just read and we'll see where it goes from here as we are in chapter 42. It says on the third day, Joseph said to them, Do this and you will live, for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers remain confined where you are in custody and let the rest go. Carry grain for the famine of your households and bring your youngest brother to me. So your words will be verified and you shall not die. And it says they did so. Now we go down a little bit more to verse 24 and we hear these words. Then he turned away, that is Joseph, and wept because he just heard them talk about how they sinned against Joseph. 
And he returned to them and spoke to them, and he, that is Joseph, took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain and to replace every man's money in his sack. So he sent them back filled with food, but he didn't take any of their money. So by the time they get home, they're going to be worried that, you know, they be accused of stealing and probably afraid to come back. So here's the thing. Here's the the character that I'm thinking about as I'm reading this story. I'm thinking about Simeon. You see, he's not the kind of guy that gets a lot of attention. In fact, he's not known for doing a lot of good things. Uh, Simeon is one that was there when Joseph was sold off. He didn't really try to stop him. Uh, Simeon is one that's not going to receive a favorable blessing from Jacob. At the very end of Genesis, we hear uh, Jacob giving a a nice blessing to a lot of the brothers, Joseph especially, his two, get a double portion of the blessing. But uh, not Simeon. Simeon will basically be absorbed into the other tribes. He doesn't really exist uh, very far beyond um, you know the, le- the years that we have him here. Uh, so Simeon is one that we don't really get to, to hear much from. But put yourself in Simeon's situation. I'd have to be wondering, um, are they going to tell my father about this? Like, are they actually going to go back and tell Jacob that I'm in prison waiting to be rescued. I mean, can't they do the same thing that they did to Joseph? I mean, if they're that overcome with jealousy and frustration that they would sell off Joseph, why don't they just write Simeon off as well? I mean, look, there's a lot of brothers here and uh, Jacob's money, Jacob's wealth will only go so far, especially in the midst of the famine. So simply put, let's just say that Simeon died, leave him in prison. No one will ever know. And that'll leave more of an inheritance for the rest of us. It's not that far of a stretch. I mean, these children of Israel, these children of Jacob have already proven that they're not necessarily the most loyal of sons. I'd have to wonder. I'd have to worry. And on top of that, is Jacob going to even care? Is Jacob going to be concerned? See, that's kind of the question. And you could see all of these fears being put to the test as you're in prison waiting for the brothers to come. And it's not like Simeon has to wait a short amount of time. No. See, his worst fears do come true. The scriptures say that when the brothers go back to tell Jacob, Jacob's response is, no, I'm not going to send Benjamin. And that appears to be the end of the conversation. They're a little bit worried because they have the money in their sacks, though they're thankful that they have grain, so they have food. They don't know how long this famine is going to be. So in some ways, it feels like they're already set. That's the end of the conversation until, well, they run out of food. Now, I don't know how long this is, if it's a few weeks, it's a couple of days, maybe more likely at least a month, if not longer than that. They had a good amount of food. There was a lot of, lot of uh, food that they brought back with them. Finally, then Jacob says something. <laughs> he doesn't say anything about Simeon. But he says, hey, go back to Egypt. Go get us some food. That's where you went to before. But the brothers have to remind him. No, they don't mention Simeon. They just say, look, um, we can't go back unless we have Benjamin. Don't you remember what the guy said, the one who's in charge? 
He said that you're not going to see me again unless you bring your younger brother here. Don't even try it. So what does Jacob say? Fine. All right, I'll do it. Benjamin can go. Now, for those of you who are listening in and thinking about this, it's not that Jacob hates Simeon. We have to really understand what's going on here. Maybe play a little bit of amateur psychologist. Kind of goes back to the beginning. If you can recall, Jacob had the two wives. The one that he loved was Rachel. Uh, The second one was Leah. Although he married Leah first, he was tricked into marrying Leah first. And it's a mess, right? Both are sisters, uh, but he marries them both. And after spending a week with Leah, he then marries Rachel. And of course, God sees that Rachel's the one that gets all of Jacob's affection. So he blesses Leah. He blesses Leah and, and she's able to have children. In fact, she's able to have a couple of children. Then Rachel gets depressed. She wants to be able to provide Jacob with children. Even though she's the loved one, she gets depressed. So she starts taking matters into her own hands. She takes her maidservant and gives her to Jacob. Here, have a child with her. It'll be like having a child with me. It'll be our child. And so Jacob goes along with it. And while this is all going on and she produces some children, then all of a sudden Leah isn't able to have children anymore. So she takes her maidservant and gives it to Jake, gives her to Jacob. So then Jacob has children through her. And finally, after all of this, Rachel gets pregnant. God hears her prayer. She gets pregnant and she gives him Joseph, which really means to add, to add to the family. This is what they wanted all along. So when it's all said and done, Jacob has children from four different women. And, well, I'll just leave it at that. It starts to sound like a Jerry Springer episode, doesn't it? Uh, But that's really what takes place here. And in the midst of the story, then, we see that Jacob is really getting the family that he's always wanted. Yes, he has Leah. He has children from all of these other women. But Rachel was the one that he loved. She's the one that captured his heart. And finally, he's getting his family. When Joseph is born, he really does treat him like the firstborn. He's the favorite. Makes him the coat that's beautiful, right? The the one that everybody else scoffs at. The one that everybody else is jealous about. And then, of course, when Rachel has the second child, Benjamin, uh, that's when she passes away. You know, it's often said that when people lose somebody, they uh, individuals can start to... Uh, look at other objects and even other people as memorials for the individual that they lose, right? So for Jacob, you could see him looking at his two children and have them be the reminder of the one that he loved, Joseph and and Benjamin, no doubt, bearing the resemblance of Rachel, the reminder of his bride. So when Joseph dies, though, of course, Joseph doesn't really die, but Jacob is told that. The only one he has left is, is Benjamin. Is the last connection that he has with his bride. He can't let go of his son. Yes, he loves Simeon. It's not like he despises Simeon. It's nothing like that. But he just has this connection with Benjamin. He doesn't want to lose his connection with Rachel. He can't risk losing his last son. Kind of see how this goes why Jacob is feeling this way, but 
last he's going to give in. I mean, the rest of the family is counting on it. They, they can't die from starvation. But in the meantime, while we are focused kind of on what happens with Simeon, we do have to look at the lead character. We can't forget about him. We can't forget about Joseph. And we'll do it rather quickly because you know his story. Jacob was sold into slavery. His brothers were jealous of all the attention, tired of hearing about the dreams of having to bow down to Joseph. They sold him. And then it gets to the point where Joseph gets falsely accused while he's at the top of his game at Potiphar's house. He's thrown into prison. I mean, Joseph has a lot of things happen to him. And so what does he do in the midst of all of it? He starts complaining, right? He starts shouting, God, why are you allowing this to happen? Why are you putting me as a slave in Egypt? What have I done to to cause this curse upon me? He starts thinking about how he's going to get back at his brothers, right? Lord, they've wronged me. I can't wait to have the opportunity to have them before me. And I am going to give them the life that they deserve. I'm going to give them the punishment that they came upon me. Only I'm going to give it to them worse. They stole from me. I'm going to steal from them. The truth is Joseph doesn't do any of that, does he? See, that's not Joseph's way. Well, that's more like our way isn't it? But not Joseph. Why? Why would he do such a thing? Well, listen to these words. Listen to these words from earlier on in Genesis uh, 39. It says these words. These are important. Verse two, the Lord was with Joseph. This is right after he became a slave. The Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. Verse three, his master saw that the Lord was with him. That's twice we see this. And then after Joseph was falsely accused and thrown into prison, listen to this. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But the Lord was with Joseph. Verse 23 of chapter 39. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in charge of that Joseph was in charge of because the Lord was with him. Whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. And then you look at uh, chapter 41, a similar thing. As Joseph uh, begins to talk to Pharaoh about everything that's happened and going to happen, Pharaoh says this, Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? Basically, another way of saying, the Lord was with him. And all that Joseph faces, whether it's good, whether it's bad, God was with him. Now, see, that makes sense. I mean, Joseph was righteous. Joseph doesn't curse anybody. Joseph doesn't give in to any of the temptations that he faces. So why wouldn't God be with him? But my question is this. What about people like us? Now, maybe you're not included with this, but I'm going to assume that you are. I'm going to assume that at times you're maybe like how I think Simeon would have been or maybe how like I sometimes can be. Where we are angry, we are judgmental or we're ready to get payback. For the individuals that have wronged us, we're not going to forgive. No, we're going to get even. 
We're ready to pounce, right? Or maybe perhaps you look at how your life is going and um, it's not the way that you want it to go. So instead of trusting God that he is going to continue to to be with you and bless you, you get angry with God and, and wonder where he is or why aren't things going the way that you expect them to go. See, that's the problem. Is that sometimes our faith is really just dependent upon how well our life is going. If we are prosperous, we are ready to give God everything. Maybe. But if things aren't going well, forget it. But see, that's not Joseph. Joseph trusts in God no matter what happens. Whether he can see it or not, he trusts God because he knows who God is. And he knows that God is with him. But no, no, we have trouble with this, don't we? We struggle. In fact, we put ourselves in prison, not like a kind of prison that Simeon was in, but we, we take the bitterness and the anger, the frustration, the, the lack of forgiveness, the judgmental attitudes, and we build a wall uh, around us. We, we imprison ourselves and we can't get out. Why would God come and save people like us? But here's the good news. While we might not be like Joseph, God is not the same kind of father as Jacob. No, he doesn't leave his people. He doesn't abandon. He doesn't cut his losses. Jacob didn't want to give his son. Jacob didn't want to risk his son. God was willing. God knew the cost. It wasn't a matter of risk. God knew what he was going to give up. He was going to give up his one and only son, the firstborn among all creation, the only begotten son of the father before all worlds, his one and only son, Jesus Christ. He was ready to give up. He was willing to give up. He knew that he was going to give him up to the cross for the sake of breaking you out of your prison of shame, of guilt, of debt, of death, anything that you can think of. Jesus was sent to free you because that's how much God loves you. In fact, what do we know Jesus to be? Who do we know Jesus to be? What's another name that he goes by? He's the Emmanuel. God with us. Just like he was with Joseph, he is going to be with you. Not because we are righteous by ourselves, but because of his graciousness, he is going to be the God who is with you. But don't think that your circumstances dictate God's presence. What we see in this Joseph story is that God's presence will be with Joseph no matter what he faces. So, if things are going well for you, praise God. He's with you. If things aren't going well, you still can praise God because he's with you. If you have all the money in the world and you are secure, praise God that he has gifted you with financial stability. He's with you. If things aren't going well financially, you still can praise God because you know he is with you and he will provide for you. If your job's exactly where you want it to be, if you're happy with your promotions and if you're happy with where you're going, praise God. 
He has blessed you with your abilities, the talent, and the situation to be able to thrive and give him glory. He is with you. If your job is not going well, it's okay. You can praise God because you know that he is with you and he is still using you with the circumstances that you are in. If your health is going well, praise God. And if you live to be 195, praise God because he's with you. Although I don't know if I want to be 195. (laughs) But if you don't live that long, if you live and die much earlier age than 195, well, you might not be able to praise God in that death as you are lowered in the ground your family members and friends will be able to praise God on your behalf because you will still know that even in death, God is with you. See, our faith should not be determined by our circumstances. Our faith shines because of who God is in spite of all of our circumstances. He is the God who remains with us through all things. And even if it's only negative stuff from this day forward, we face persecution and we face famine all day long. We know what's waiting for us in the end on that last day. We will be raised and we will see Jesus face to face. Why? Because he is the God who wants to be with us for all eternity. So friends in Christ, no matter where you are, no matter where you're going, no matter what the outlook is, praise God and give thanks because he is a God who is with you. He's with me. He's with us. Amen. Well, God's blessings to you as you continue to read the story. I hope that you are enjoying yourself. I hope that you are enjoying the story as much as, if not more, than me, and I am looking forward to spending time with you. Please come join us live in person, Sundays, 10 o'clock. If not, I will see you uh, next week through the podcast. So long.